Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Matt, it's uh, finally nice to be able to talk to you and, and not just see you. We've had a little difficulty in, in catching up over the last week or two, mainly due to my inability to control computers. Matt, I'm the executive chairman of Vango Mining, which is an ASX-listed company. Um, we, the company first floated in about 2004 under the name of Ord River Resources. I've actually been on the board of Ord, Ord River, which then morphed into Vango, um, went on the board in about June of 2013. And finally, in, uh, in August of 2015, uh, my deputy chairman and non-exec director, Carol Zhang, became the only board members of the company. And from then we've started to move the company forward fairly swiftly in terms of acquiring the last remaining um, tenements of the Merrimire area, which comprise 45, 45 mining licenses, leases. Uh, it was an old area that had previously been mined by Resolute. And uh, there was 45 odd pits that, uh, that comprised that, uh, that tenement block. So it was very important for us to consolidate the block. We had a 60% control, but we wanted to get 100%. We achieved that by buying the, the remaining tenements or percentage of the tenements for 2.2 2 million. And since then, 2017, we started our first drill program and we've driven the company from a market capitalization of just under 1.3 million to its current cap of about 75 million in five odd years. Uh, we've, we've spent money on four drilling programs now and we're into our fifth drill program. This final drill program will drive us to being able to complete a mine application to the WA uh, Department of Mines and it basically is around the open pits. It's the, the drilling we're doing now is designed to bring into our resource table old 2000 or pre-2004 um, jork uh, and upgrade that into the 2012 jork. So we're looking to increase our resource base from about 1.1 million as it is now to somewhere around 1.5 million. And this drill program is hopefully will we'll achieve that. Um, the design or the, the intent is to throw another 5 million tonnes of, of uh, rock into our uh, mine plan with another 300 odd thousand of resource. So that that basically is a pretty pretty broad overview of where we've come from and where we're at now. Brilliant. Bruce, lovely to meet you. We're not, well, we, we tried to speak previously, but I think we had a few technical difficulties. But so lo lovely to finally we speak did. to you. All my fault. <laughs> no, 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 no. Could have been me. Just as easily been me. Hey, well, look, I appreciate you coming on and talking about the Van Gogh uh, story. Um, I'm kind of sort of intrigued by it because you've got some pretty, some quite nice high-grade numbers coming off some of those press releases. But I just want to, if you don't mind, just I'm trying to understand uh, the the story a little bit better um, and what the, what the plan 
is. Uh, but first, can you just kick off with uh, what's your background and experience? What have you done before? Yeah, Matt, my background is pretty much a jack of all and master of none. I started my um, working life as a farmer. Then I uh, put myself through university after working three years on gas pipelines. Um, I've been in the army. Um, I then uh, I graduated from the University of New South Wales with a with a Bachelor of Commerce, majoring in accounting. I'm the sole partner of a, a major firm in the Riverina, yeah, accounting practice. Um, my wife and I own a, quite a considerable land holding, uh, farming farming land holding. Although I don't have much time to actually work that myself, I just manage that. Um, and getting into Vango Mining was was simply via an investment that the family made into the company. And over time, I realised that the company was disappearing in terms of its net worth. And I thought I can't do any worse than than uh, what was being done by the by the then management team. Uh, so Sean Zhao, my deputy, and I decided that we'd have a shot ourselves, and here we are. So tell me, tell me about Sean then. What's what's his relevant experience? Sean is um, uh, he was born in China, but basically grew up in and educated in Australia. He uh, worked for some time in infrastructure uh, financing in China, and uh, made quite a quite a name for himself, and also quite a little tidy fortune. So he and I um, got together in about. Early 2015, actually, and um, we hit it off. Um, in fact, I refer to him as my Chinese twin. We just had different fathers. That's all. So it's um, we we get on very well, and we we work very well together. And that has been mainly the reason why the company has become as successful as it has. But what's, where's where's the um, relevant experience? Where's the where's the mining experience or the geological experience come from? There, there is on the current board. The only mining experience that we have on the board is uh, with uh, Craig Wallace, who's a non-exec, uh, sorry, a non-exec and uh, independent director. So there was no mining experience on this board at all. This was a business turnaround. Um, what I'm good at, and I think Sean. Uh, Sean is good at financing. What I'm good at is putting people or finding people who know a lot more about the job than I do and putting them in the right spots. So we have a we have a team of uh, operational people who I think are second to none. And that has been the core reason for the success of the company. Certainly the board drives drives the company from a, um, a management point of view but and a business point of view. But I make uh, no bones about the fact that the, the biggest mine I've ever dug was a two-foot hole in, in my back garden. So this to me and to Sean and Carol was a business turnaround, first of all, and then finding the key personnel to, to do the jobs that we've, we've needed them to do. Okay, so let, let, let's, let's try and understand it because um, you've gone from – a very small uh, market cap to you know 70 75 million depending on the, the the time of day but the share prices have declined you know since mid 2018 you know where you kind of got the highs of you know mid mid 20s ish down to where it is today so, you know say seven cents so how are you defining success we've seen the high grade results but you know yeah. as a shareholder yeah. a long-term shareholder I'm going to be going 
Well, I'm not so sure about that. So what's your definition? Well, given the fact that I'm a long-term shareholder, I'm not very happy about it either, Matt. So I agree with you. <laughs> success, success from where we sit um, involves simply getting this company to mining. The numbers, the numbers of the or the increase in the Jork resource from some 680,000 ounces when we first became a, um, a part owner of this area, up to over a million and heading towards 1.5. That's that's to me is not the success. The success is getting this company to mining. That is primarily what we're driving for. And this this small program that we've got going now is the final step. We need what I term critical mass. And the critical mass is not just about the gold content, but about having a 20-year mine life. We're aiming at a 750,000-tonne plant. Uh, So therefore, I need 15-odd million tonne of rock bearing gold in order to finally push the button to get this company to mining. And I will, there's been a lot of shareholders, and if you were a long-term shareholder, you'd be complaining as they are, that I haven't done this fast enough. But given that we've only been in the in the job for about five odd years, you know, there's companies that, that have taken 17 years to get to mining. We're we're 18 months off mining and maybe quicker. So I think we've achieved a substantial amount. For people who don't know anything. Okay, so, so let's, let's let's break that down. Um, you're right. Some some companies take yeah. 10, 15, 20 years to get into my into production for sure. Okay, so you're 18 months yeah. away from producing gold, pouring gold. That's, that's what you're saying, right? So talk to me that's, through that because you've got uh, you've got an open pit component and you've got high grade underground components. So you, yeah. it sounds like you're tackling the open pit bit first. So tell me about how you're going to do that. How you're going to finance it. How does it come together? Well, just before we go on to how I finance it, because we do have that in hand as well, but the, what we need is a mix of, of oxidised rock, softer rock. Uh, we've already done our grind tests and everything to, to um, work out what sort of a plant we want and what sort of grinding we're going to be using. But what we've found in the grinding tests is that our hard rock is, is uh, low tonnage, our open pit, of course, can be high tonnage, but we, we're looking at a mix of about two, two to three. So out of uh, five tonne of rock, we want about two, two tonne of underground rock and three of open pit. And that's important to get the, the, the flow out of, of um, or the um, 94 or 95% of uh, flow of gold coming out of that circuit. So... In terms of the financing, I've already spoken to um, two financiers in the last two months, actually just before the lockdown in Sydney occurred. One of those financiers um, has even offered to help us with the BFS. They've looked at our at the approach that we are uh, taking with the company and they were very impressed from the basis that Instead of just starting to go to mining at a, at a million ounces and spending $100 million of debt and then finding that you've, you've gone too early, they were quite impressed that we're taking a, a slower approach to build that resource and to build the inventory of rock that will ensure that the company survives once we do commence mining. So that those, 
that was actually a, a good thing and a credit, I think, to the board, not just to myself, to have that said by one of the financiers in this in this industry. Okay, so so we are. Sorry, yeah. I was about to say, so let me just try and understand it a little bit better. So you've obviously done some studies, you've done various scoping studies, et cetera. What, what do you understand about the economics today? I, I, I hear that someone's going to maybe help you with the BFS component. Great. But you must know yeah. something now. What, what can you tell us? In terms of economics. whether we're ready, to, yeah. if, if terms of whether we're ready to go or not, we could start mining now, Matt. We, we could go out and get that money right now. And I've had t uh, three companies, including our partner in Laos, in the bauxite, NFC, which is a, an SOE out of China, um, who, who uh, signed an MOU in terms of providing an EPC agreement with us. However, I will not be pushed to go to mining before I am 100% certain of survivability. One of the things that I am is an accountant, and accountants don't like to fail with money, particularly other people's money or my own money. So the pressure uh, that we've had from long-term shareholders has, has been intense, uh, and we've had to endure the criticism of not, of not going with a million ounces. However, I will take the, we will take the conservative road and put in another four to 500,000 of ounces into that inventory, and then we will go. At that point, we will be ready to move. Okay, so, but tell me a bit about the economics, just to understand, you know, because you're, you're mixing sort of slightly more expensive rock underground, albeit higher yeah, grade, yeah. with the open pit yeah. stuff, blending it, fine. But yeah. what can you tell us about the economics? Well, the economics, we, we've worked, uh, I mean, we haven't, pin down the exact um, all-in cash cash cost of this, this approach. But given the current price of gold in, a, in Aussie terms, not in the US terms because we get paid in Aussie terms, obviously, but, and, and therein, therein is a, lies a, um, two options we have too in terms of that financing. NFC, for example, would be, would be happy to take gold in return for... Um, in, in return for the debt component of what they would provide us. Um, the, the issue for us is not so much whether it's profitable or not. It's about we're going to spend somewhere between 100 and $130 million of, of um, basically um, around about $100 million of debt. And these, these are the discussions that we've already had. And somewhere between 25 and $30 million of equity coming in um, on the back of that debt. So to me, we get one shot at this. A lot of companies, um, a lot of companies and, and directors of companies, Matt, they can move on to other jobs. This is the only job I want and it's the only job that I've got. I'm not looking to go to another company. For me, I can't fail and I won't fail. And that's the approach the board takes. So the economics are there. They certainly are there. But as part of our mine application, we have to justify the Department of Mines that we're not just going to make a buck now, but that we can provide uh, a fund to rehabilitate the area after we've finished. And that, to me, is also an important component of that application, not just because I'm part green, 
being a farmer, I am part green. But to me, it is important that we we show uh, the Department of Mines that we have the capacity to not just make a profit, but also to rehab this area when we're finished. Now, we get one shot. Um, all of the activity in Western Australia at the moment in mine applications, there's only two people who grant those licences. So if we fail on the first round when we put this licence application in, be another bloody 12 months before we get another crack at it. I'm not going to fail on the first run. I will have the paperwork that actually gets the licence approved the first time round, not the second time. Okay, but what, what studies have been done today? Because you, you talked about getting help with the BFS from a financial one of the financiers, but what, what what reports have been done? You've got a joint report, presumably, on one yep. or both of the uh, targets, right? There was a DFS done on one of our underground mines some six years ago. That, of course, is out of date, um, well and truly out of date. We upgraded that DFS in early 2017. Um, subsequently, after that, um, within the next two to three years, the cost component sort of blew out another 30 or 40%. So all of those cost structures that were looked at some six or seven years ago obviously have changed. The, but during that time, the price of gold has escalated as well. So that when you feed into that model, that DFS, not a BFS, um, that, that was simply a DFS built around a small underground mine, um, including one of the small open pits. So obviously the matrix... Um, have changed quite considerably. However, the mine that we would probably commence with, the grade in that is much higher than in the initial um, uh, underground mine that was prepared or put into the DFS that was done six or seven years ago. That was around the time that I came onto the board, just by the way. So the, uh, the learning curve so for, for me, for example, in terms of what is needed, it's also that time period is also given the learning process um, to, to not just myself but the whole board. And therefore we can quite, uh, and we do talk quite confidently with these financiers now about the, the figures that, that formed the first DFS, the updated second DFS, but also now the upgraded numbers in terms of costs for both underground and open pit. It'd be nice to simply say we could do a toll treating agreement with somebody. However, those days I think are long gone. We're pretty much committed now to, to building our own plant and, uh, and starting the process with a plant fit for purpose for the tonnies that we have. Why do you say those days are gone? Because obviously, you know, j just down the road, you've got a huge facility with at, at the platonic mine um, with the superior gold guys and they haven't got enough ore to feed their own mine so why do you say tolling is not really an option for you anymore that that plant is old it's inefficient um, so we would be starting we would be delivering ore um, even our even our open pit ore is is reasonably high grade for open pit material so we would be losing money. Fine, we could we could say, hey, we're a miner, you know, we're we're in the mining, and um, that would satisfy a lot of the shareholders, of course. 
but in the process, we would be doing ourselves out of goal because the uh, the remnant material coming out of that plant would sit on their tailings dams, not our tailings dams, and they can simply reprocess that and extract more of the goal that we should be getting ourselves. There's um, so it's not just an ec- it's it's economics. Of course, it's economics. So why why go too early and lose gold in a circuit that's not you don't control yourself? Um, when taking another twelve months, you you're going to retain all of that that output. But there are other reasons why we don't do an agreement with that company. That company has been. Um, I think that they had a, a plan that we would fall over. Uh, unfortunately, we've we've disappointed them on that basis. Um, so I think over the years, they took the approach that um, they would do a deal with us that would advantage them and not us. And I'm not a person who will accept those sorts of deals, as that company has, unfortunately for them, found out. You, you're quite right. They do have a, a plant that is vastly underutilised. They have a resource base that um, over time we've learnt uh, is not something that probably we want to be associated with. So time that we have, um, time has given us inf- the ability to be better informed about our southern neighbour, you might say. Once upon a time, it could have been a match made in heaven, Matt. <laughs> but, no, but, but no more, you're saying. Okay, so like you talk about sort of lear- learning on the job uh, over, the, over yeah. time, right? Yeah. And that informs the, your ability to have conversations with these financiers now. So this 130 yeah. number, is that from 2017 or is that up to date? I mean, where are you with, with that number? Two months ago, two months ago. Okay. Sitting with these financiers and and talking about what we will need and the cost of that current cost of that, um, allowing also for six months of of no cash flow coming in because obviously once you start mining, there's going to be a lag time between when you deliver or when you punch through the first tonne of rock to when you start getting some gold bars coming out. So all of that, that 130 roughly, and it's pretty, it's rough, but it's pretty close to what we will require. Um, that figure um, is acceptable to all three of the finances that we've spoken to, going through the um, uh, what, as I said, what's required, the cost of building that plant, um, obviously upgrading things like our airstrip, our camp. Um, uh, they're, they're all factored into that uh, to that figure. Okay, so including. Including the six months wait time to get some cash flow coming in. Right. Okay. So, so seven hundred and fifty a ton per day plant. You're going to yeah. that correct. Yeah. So you're going to get that built. Well, once you once you get the financing in place, it takes how long to actually um, get up and running and optimize to you know whatever. Well, if if we used um, obviously if we used uh, NFC, they they would build uh, and supply. Uh, all of that plant, um, they would have it. They would have it built and delivered within six to seven months. That they are, mate, they are unbelievable. I mean, these people know how to build a hospital in a week. So, if you, we use if we use contractors out of Perth, the lag time is probably going to be somewhere around double that time. 
because you can't get contractors out of Perth at the moment. The 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 time it's taking to get um, uh, core and and drilling results back has doubled and tripled to what it was in 2017 when we first did our first drill program. So there's there's a much bigger lag time if we solely rely on the construction being done here. Um, obviously, we're going to have to use crew or personnel from Australia to uh, to build. But if we can have the stuff constructed offshore, then that lag time is going to be cut down considerably. And what about all the long lead items? You know that you're, you know, in terms of machinery and so forth, that you're going to need to order as well, because there seems to be delays across the whole supply chain globally. Absolutely. So, when do you make a, when do you make a financing decision with one of these three parties that you're talking to? Each one of them have been told exactly the same, and I can tell you and the listeners that decision will be made when we get the results back from this current round of drilling. That's all we're waiting on. Okay, so we better let's let's talk about some of the drilling because some some of the results that you know yeah. from the underground are you know look pretty attractive. Um, the open pit is there. So can you just talk us through some of those numbers? Because I'm intrigued as to what you think is going to come through. I know I understand what you're trying to bring through in terms of the the resource number, but what's this latest round yeah. going to do for you that you don't already have? What we know that the open pits have material in them. What we're doing is is um, it's been described, or I've been described as pinpricking in the past, and that's exactly what we're doing. Our, our latest um, company presentation says exactly that. That what all we're doing is going over old drill results and identifying where those targets are. However, the interesting thing we're finding with this program, um, we're up to pit number four, and in the first two pits, we've actually identified structures underneath the old drill results, which could, um, could change considerably the numbers that we're looking for. In other words, on the upside, not the downside. So we're, we're plagiarising, Matt with this program, I should, it's maybe cheating, if you like. However, we know that within those 11 pits that we're targeting, the material that was in the old 2004 jork was around 250,000 200 to 250,000 ounces. So if we find extra, we're going to go over our target requirement. So I shouldn't say that I'm cheating a little here, but that's the reality of it. Okay. Right, so you need you need that to build and make a decision, and you're saying the assays are taking a little bit longer to come back. So, are we looking at what end of the year for a, for a decision for you guys? Look, hopefully, Matt. Uh, the first I've actually got a bit of a schedule that was given to me yesterday. I'm hoping that I'm going to have the first of the results back uh, from drilling that commenced on the first week of July. It should be coming back early next week or sometime next week. So those results will start flowing from then. And it'll give us a, once we get the first of the results coming back, it's going to give us an indication as to whether we keep following the program that we set or we go back to those pits that are showing the best the best results and, and drill further into them. One of the one of the interesting things that came out of um, the first pit, and we identified it pretty quick. We'd only drew, we'd only designed the drill holes to go to about 160 metres. 
Um, but clearly what we were finding was that the completing those holes at 160 metres was not punching through the mineralised zones. So that the adaptability of the program then required that we go further and deeper. Um, and that's where we sort of found these, these additional structures that were not known um, and hadn't been drilled by the companies that owned this area prior to us taking it. So the, the program is not set in stone. It was set uh, by the board to be quite adaptable. And once the results start coming back, um, it allows us to switch switch the targets back to the original ones if those, those target areas are showing double what we needed out of them or, or you know, one and a half times. Obviously, you go and find, you go and look where you know you're going to find it. This is not, this is clearly not an, explorat an exploration program. This is a program that is simply drilling existing targets and pretty much known targets. Okay. Do you feel that you're slightly unconventional for the mining space? Do you feel that the market feels that you're unconventional? What, and do you see that as a plus or a minus in your ability to have conversations with the financiers? You, you have hit the nail on the head. The, the market, I think, in the past has been, um, if not terrified, they've been a little bit concerned about our unconvention, the unconventional nature both of the makeup of the board, our ability to survive against all the odds, our ability to find gold against the odds. Um, so there's a, I think that we are tainted with that perception that we're vastly unknown and terribly scary. Um, I look at myself in the mirror each morning and I think I'm a cute, cuddly teddy bear, but a lot of, a lot of other people don't see that. So you're absolutely right. There's a, we have taken a totally unconventional um, approach to this, to, to turning this company around. Absolutely. Um, that is, but to me, that there's a strength in that because you're not following um, pathways that, that have led to failures. We, we, we are carefully planning. A lot of people think that we simply jump at um, uh, jump at opportunities and then go and drill something just because you know it suddenly shows shows that um, that that looks good. The amount of time that we spent, and me included, and Sean involved in the planning process for this current program, and the directive to do the open pits came from the board because we did look at the old data, and so what the hell are we going out? doing exploratory work for when all those targets are simply going to deliver what we actually need. So I don't think that makes us smart. The one thing that I think I'm very good at, I won't say that Sean's in the same category. He, he has his own strengths and weaknesses. But the strength I have is knowing what I don't know and then getting people into the spots that fill the lack of knowledge or, or that provide the information that I that I need and the board needs to make the right decisions. And I think I think that this board of this company have made some damn good decisions, unconventional as they may be. Well, 
I guess I guess time will tell because I think the big thing that you're going to need to deliver here is, and this this will be a a sign that you are right is you get the financing in place at a price which obviously um, isn't punitive to get into production. So I think people will be looking to that moment. So what's your thought with regards to when that is going to be in place? Once I have the numbers from this dual program, the one of the financiers actually said at the last meeting I had with him that he he wanted to, he was quite happy to start now. I said you might be happy to start now, but I'm not. We will do it in the time frame that we've set, and the steps that we need to take, we won't deviate from those steps. Now that may be unconventional as well, but I'm not I'm not someone who can be pressured into doing things. I will do them, and we will move when we're ready. And. We're getting close, but we're not there yet. So, and I want to be clear: Are you talking to financiers with money, or are you talking to brokers who will go and get you money? No, 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 no. no. I, I don't. We don't raise our money through brokers generally. We, we raise our money in house. Um, one of our, one of our shareholders would finance the whole deal, right? But that could, that could disadvantage other shareholders. So, the intent of the board, including this fellow, is that all shareholders that have supported the company get the benefit. And that has to be by way of a debt component. There will be an equity component, without a doubt, that follows on from that. But to me, the debt component is what ensures the integrity or the um, uh, that ensures that most shareholders that have supported the company over the last five years, particularly since I've been in the main share um, are not disadvantaged. Um, as a lot of companies like ours, the shareholders are disadvantaged at the end when you get a massive influx of new shareholders putting all the money in to take it to development and all the other poor buggers get diluted to buggery. That is not going to happen here. Not over my dead body it'll happen. So talk to me about um, how much cash have you got today? Six mil. We just raised... Um, uh, we did a little placement just about uh, a month ago, a little over a month ago. We could have taken in 10 um, within a couple of days. We didn't want to take in the 10. I just wanted to take six in because of the current pricing. Um, and that will that will get us through for the next eight, eight or so months, um, including this drill program. Um, we, we're actually even supported by contractors who take shares in lieu of um, – in lieu of cash, which has, has been, has, that's helped the company as well. So that shows a fairly um, a strong support base that we have, not just in our employees, but also contractors. But was, was that done from a position of you didn't have cash to pay them, so they took equity? Or was no, it done from a position no, no. Of, no. I tell you what, we'd rather have no. shares in your company yeah, than pay. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said, and I think you're alluding to the fact that we are we are vastly undervalued in the company, but these share, these um, uh, contractors see that as I see it. There's not a lot I can do about it except keep doing what I'm doing. But we dearly would like to see the share price higher. What what company director wouldn't? But it's not 
Sorry, Matt, you want well, to no, ask Well, I was about to say, you know, if, if I look at 2021, it's been a fairly kind of flat line, right? Okay. You, you've yeah. come off the highs yeah. of 2018, 19, 20, uh, even yeah. 20 to a lesser degree, but you flatlined this year, despite putting out high-grade results. So you, you, you are, normally, you'd expect a reaction from the market that you're not getting that reaction. Do you think it comes down to you getting your finance in place, you know, irrespective of what this next round of drilling does, I suspect it won't move yeah. the. I expect it won't move the dial. Okay, so it comes back to that unconventional component. You've got yeah. to get this money in place and and put an announcement out saying we are financed to build this plant with this EPC partner of ours, and we'll be in production in the next eighteen months. That's the moment for you, isn't it? Everything else is well. You, you could also say there might be a big bad bear out there that wants to take us over. And that could drive the price up, couldn't it? Well, <laughs> I, well or, you've or, fallen out with Superior, apparently. So uh, I don't know. Is there someone else going to come along? I wouldn't. I wouldn't consider they're the big bad bear. <laughs> There's other bigger badder bears out there. So look, but some of those companies that have approached us have then looked at the top twenty shareholders or the top thirty shareholders and just gone, "This is not possible." And that's, that is part of the reason I think that our share price is down, that any potential predator, and those that have, have approached the board have, have simply said, um, we, we need the support of the board um, in order to have, a, you know, to, to be able to do something. And some of those companies were attractive in some, in some respects, you know, and we got into DD processes with them and all the rest. But then the, the more you learn about, their asset, um, we took the approach that some of those companies were overvalued to, to buggery. And if we had to take shares, if I had to recommend that my shareholders, including me, take shares in their companies, it was a pretty easy decision to say, thank you very much. That's a kind offer, but no thanks. So have we been approached? Absolutely. Um, but we've learned enough to be able to pick um, a good asset and a bad asset. We'll stick, stick with our asset, I think, for the time being. Brilliant. Bruce, really enjoyed that conversation with you today. Appreciate, <laughs> appreciate you coming on the show finally. That's, that's really uh, it's been an interesting chat. Um, stay in touch with us. Let us know how you get on, obviously, with the drilling, but any of, of course, I any will. financial conversations too. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.